welcome to another edition of Guns and Devils, where we talk Man United, Arsenal and other things football. With me today, as always, is the slash to my Axel Rose. It's Liam. Hello, Liam. Hi, Carl. My boys, my boys, my boys. Um, it is usually a fantastic time um, to be on this podcast, but today I feel humbled um, and not in a good way. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not pretending to be humble for once, um, like I usually do. Um, but yeah, we're here, and um, it was it was a weird. I, I don't know about you, Carl, but um, like usual, um, I kind of regret the night before. <laughs> um, but at least I don't have uh, anything else, you know. Anyway. Um, yeah, so obviously we, um, Arsenal and Man, Man United played last night, both our teams. Um, yeah, it feels... Also, it feels weird yeah. doing it so soon after our first podcast. Oh, a couple of nights ago, depending on when you're listening to this. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, so yeah, I think we've had a day to kind of digest it. Um, it was a very, very puzzling game, I think, from an Arsenal perspective. Um, well, I think it's probably puzzling a bit for both of us. Yeah, there was some sort of interesting goings on in the game, definitely, um, and some interesting things after the game as well, which we'll get to in due course. But um, I, both teams had patches where they played well. Both teams made the sort of similar, similar mistakes that have been holding them back for the last um, few years now, mm. um, mostly. Um, mistakes in defence and um, yeah it was just a bit all over the place really I think you started you certainly started off the better side you're passing the ball well mm. um, pressing as we, we we were struggling to sort of make any sort of headway um, outside of our outside of our half and um, then you scored the most peculiar goal <laughs> Yeah, that was um that was very interesting. Um, yeah, because I mean up until that point, I think we didn't really have a lot of possession, so to speak. But I think we got like four corners within the first minute, um, mm. and you just couldn't get out of our, you just couldn't get past our first line, to be honest. Um, and then we had a corner, and we score, and it's yeah, it's, it's very very strange. So Fred turned out stood on De Gea's foot. And so the hair went down, hoping, I guess, for I, I don't know what thing is like. I mean, you yeah, like, maybe maybe he went down. He's like he either was in a lot of pain because perhaps he's trod on him in a funny spot. I mean, it does hurt when you you know knock your foot or someone with studs treads on your foot, or maybe he's hoping that the referee would blow and we'd get a free kick out of it. But instead, he he didn't, and Smith Rowe. Um, put the ball in the back of the net, continuing his um, good goal-scoring format of late. Yeah, um, and it was weird because like I remember watching it, and I was like, "What the hell happened there?" Because you, you cause, like it pans away from goal, and you just see Emma Smith Rowe strike it, and I was like, "Oh, well, that's just gonna be saved by the keeper." And you, it pans, and you just see Tahir just like in a fetal position on the floor. Yeah, like, what the <laughs> what's happened here? The referee blew as soon as the ball hit the back of the net, and. Uh, there's like a good five minutes or so of faffing around and getting David De Gea back on his feet. And he spoke to, I don't know, his uh, system referees and perhaps referees in the VAR room. And uh, they, I think they had no choice but to give the goal. I think, I mean, 
as surprising as it might sound from a United supporter. I, I mean, I think it was the right decision. I mean, it's easy to say that because we ended up winning the game, I guess. But I don't know. I mean, it wasn't an opposition player that knocked him down. It was our own player. Hmm. And um, play continued. So, you know, you have to give the goal. You can't just suddenly rule it out. And I, I thought that's what he was going to do to us. But the thing is, like... I mean, not, I mean do you stop play if someone's fouled by their own teammate? I mean, well, it's yeah. not something that happens very often, is it? That's what I was going to ask you. I was going to ask, like, do you think he should have blown the whistle before? Because I, I, think, I seem to remember there being a similar scenario, I think, a couple of weeks ago. I think, um, like, I think Everton, there was, like, a VAR for a penalty and they blew a whistle. And Everton actually had an open goal at the time, so they could have just shot, um, scored the goal. The whistle blew before to check for a penalty, and they didn't get a penalty in the end. But you can't just give them an open goal, so it's just like I think I think he had to make this decision. I think if well, he uh, yeah, I was going to ask. I mean, how would you have felt as an Arsenal supporter? Smith Rose got the ball, goals gaping, and the referee stops play. Yeah, I mean, like I I, I would be furious, but. I think if he saw De Gea, I think that probably would have been what happened. And it's one of those you kind of have to shrug your shoulders and, and chalk it up to being one of those silly things that kind of happen because they have to check what happened, see mm. if it was a foul or... I don't know. I mean, if if it was this loud, I think we would have been slightly pissed. Um, but, I mean, to be honest, it, it, I mean, judging by how we kind of performed after that, I think it probably would have been actually a better thing for us. <laughs> yeah, it seemed to... Um you know, put us into action and I know you seem to sit back a bit after after the goal and we sort of took control of the game and ended up scoring um through Bruno Fernandez, his first goal in fifteen games I think it was and uh, an assist from Fred. So Fred making up for his uh earlier bodge botch. If if you if you can even call it that, yeah. But um, yeah, well worked goal by Fred. Um, mm. actually, I was going to ask you this before we um kind of go into this, um, because I I think I had quite a lot of questions about. I think both of our lineups are quite interesting. Mm. Um, I mean, I think the two for you probably were um Diego Dallo and maybe Fred, you could say. Um starting but I mean I think Fred's kind of been ever present so maybe it's not that much yeah he's, he, he pretty much always starts Fred so uh, I wouldn't say that was a shocker but yeah to, to a lot starting that and that did surprise me when I saw the line up but I thought he did really well and he seems to give you a bit more going forward than uh, Aaron Biscuit does to be honest it's yeah. something I think he needs to Aaron needs to work on in all fairness defensive wise I think he's pretty solid apart from the odd time where he he does switch off every now and again but yeah going forward he doesn't always give you the right the right balls and the right crosses but Delat mm. seems a lot more uh, confident and competent going forward I would say He's and he he defended well, and yeah, and he defended well as too. So. Yeah, he, he isn't he traditionally a left back. Who's that? Um, Dallo. Yeah, I think he is, but well, I think so. But obviously, he can play both well enough. Mm. I don't know. Maybe he is a right back. So you're just making me question it now. But I thought he our left backs were. I thought our left our left backs were sure and Tellers, and our right backs were um, Wembisker and Dallot. That might be because the left back is so well stocked anyway. Mm. Um, but I guess with that, I think for Arsenal, I think we had two kind of questionable choices of our own. 
in some ways. Well, actually, maybe three, you could argue. I mean, um, people weren't too sure if Tierney would come back in for Tavares. Uh, I mean, Tavares has played well recently. I think Tavares has done well. I think Tierney's going to have to earn his place back because I always find it a bit unfair when someone's playing well and then a player's back from injury and they're stuck straight back into the squad. Uh, you know, mm. I think you know, I think it's a bit unfair on the person that's been you know, um, filling in and doing a really good job. If they've been a bit sketchy, I can understand them being replaced as soon as possible. But I think Tavares has been really good, to be fair. Yeah, and um, I guess the only other surprise is maybe Odegaard instead of Lacazette. But, um, I mean, in the end, I think that that's kind of... I mean, hindsight is twenty twenty, but I think overall, he had a bit of a mixed game. He had a very good, yeah, very good play in the goal. He was very accurate with his shots um, for the cutback. Um, obviously, then just a horrendous tackle on Fred for your penalty. Mm. Um, I thought that was really quite poor. Um, but sp- speaking of Fred, I think I think this game was won in the midfield. How would you rate um, your your midfield against us last night? It wasn't too bad. Uh, better, better than I've seen it previously, to be honest. I thought um, everyone sort of played their part. Um, we sort of took the lead through um, Ronaldo, uh, uh, a really good goal for him, scoring his 800th uh, mm. career goal. Um, but then, typically, United, <clears throat> we've done this a few times this season, which is really annoying. We can see it again really quickly after after scoring. And I know it was a good goal by Odegaard, mm. but um, you know we, we've let this happen far too often. Uh, I think we did it against Leicester. We managed to either go ahead or equalise, and then we conceded almost straight away. So there's something that um, Ralph Ragnick needs to to fix and fix pretty fast. Really, the fact that we keep conceding after scoring. Yeah. I mean, it is the old adage. They always say you're most vulnerable when you've just scored. But, you know, a team like United should be, you know, holding on to leads better than that. I mean, that was, I mean, yeah, it is very strange. But, I mean, I think um, I think that's kind of the crux of what maybe what's been annoying for so many Arsenal fans. Um, I feel like this game kind of could have been one with a bit more bravery in our midfield. Um I mean, I think Scott McTominay was absolutely fantastic, personally. I mean, I'm looking at the stats for him now. Um, six completed forward pass, um, you know, nine tackles, seven headers won. That's, you know, that, for 90 minutes, that's quite a lot. Um, and he, he kind of seemed like we, we couldn't really get past him, to be honest. He gets a lot of stick, McTominay, but a lot of people inside of Trafford say for a couple of managers now he's been one of the first names on the team sheet so he must be doing he must be doing something right I think the trouble is with teams like Man United and and Chelsea and City if when a player's not doing something spectacular people don't seem to think they can be playing very well if that makes sense yeah and it's weird because I think um, last night him and Fred actually I thought they were fantastic. I think Fred's um, as a box to box rather than as a you know as in double pivot, which I guess he kind of technically was. I thought Fred was really quite fantastic last night, getting up and down. He made some really really good contributions in you know in the attacking box, um, much to my dismay. Um, but yeah, I I, I I mean I think your midfield compared to ours, which was 
completely just submissive and very unadventurous, particularly mm-hmm. particularly when we are one nil up. Um, here's, here's a question. A lot of people are saying, oh, Ronaldo's the problem, but we've been playing a lot better without Paul Pogba, so is, is Paul Pogba perhaps the problem? Yeah, does, he, he, imbal- mm. does he imbalance the side, you know, with his inclusion? I think it depends kind of where he plays. Uh, I, I think when he's when he's kind of in that lower midfield, you know, whether it's like right CDM or left CDM, I think he's, I don't think he's as disciplined enough. Um, I mean, we all know what you can do attacking wise. Mm. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I, I still like him when he was really, you know, coming from the left. Um, and I mean, I, I don't think Sancho really had a great game yesterday, although I think Tommy Asu did really well in containing him. But um, I, I, I would like to see, um, I would like to see Pogba there again. Um, do, is there a reason you think why he hasn't played there like since those opening like three or four games? Sorry, say again. So I, I, I was saying, but um, like I really liked Pogba on the left. Yeah, know, yeah, I've caught that bit. Yeah. So I mean, he seemed to play there. I think for the first three games, and I think he got seven assists in those three games. I mean, you can probably assume it's probably not going to be sustainable. But is is there a reason why he didn't play there more? Do you think? I don't know whether he doesn't really like it that position himself and he fancies himself more in midfield or Solskjaer was trying something different to, to get him to play the way he wants. So I'm not I'm really not too sure or it's because he's trying to fit you know, other players around him maybe. Hmm. Yeah, it's I mean, hard to know what you know managers are thinking and why they and why they tinker with something that's working. I think sometimes with some managers, I think they're trying to be a bit too clever for their own good. And I think as great as City are and Pepe's, I think sometimes he falls into that um, mm. that box as well when he tries to play Kevin De Bruyne as a false number nine, which never seems to work. But he he seems to persist with it nonetheless. <laughs> and they always seems to be one of City's downfalls when they do lose a game. So I don't know. Managers get these funny ideas, don't they? Sometimes. Yeah, I think so. Um, yeah, I, I suppose we kind of see. I mean, thing is, with, with you guys, you have so many midfield options. I mean, you almost have too much choice. <laughs> um, yeah, in attacking wise, but we still don't have that proper defensive midfield that we need. But uh... yeah, I mean, I, I think yesterday was encouraging. Um, I mean, I think. McTominay under Carrick, I think he's been really, really good. I mean, I remember against Chelsea, um, he would kind of become a third centre-back and, you know, Wan-Bissaka would kind of go a bit more further out to look after a wing-back. Um, I mean, he seems to be very tactically flexible. Um, so hopefully uh, he can kind of kick on with a proper manager. <laughs> and um, there was a potential penalty for you guys, isn't there? McGuire definitely seemed to pull... I forgot what player it was now, but he definitely seemed to pull mm. someone back, doesn't he? Yeah, so, I think it was Tommy Yasu. Uh, mm. Yeah, did, what, 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 what do you think about that? I, I thought it probably should have been a pen, if I'm honest. It's weird. I mean, it was definitely less of a pen than the one that was given later. Um I, I feel like if I was given against us, I probably would be a little bit annoyed. But, you know, he has hold of him. But mm. uh, I guess maybe the only thing that might have saved him is, I don't know if it was inside the box or outside of the box. Might have been just outside it. But it, it, sometimes it's hard to tell with these fouls because a lot of players, when they enter the, his, just outside the box, the uh, player being fouled will do their best to sort of throw themselves 
in the box in the hope that it'll be a penalty. Yeah, maybe that was it. I mean, he's not. I mean, he's not really a player who usually dives, so to speak. But I mean, yeah. I mean, it, it, I I think it's fifty-fifty for me. I know some of the pundits thought it was a pen, but you know, I I, I could either see that being I could see that being not given. Um, but yeah, the one on Fred was a hundred percent a pen, and I don't understand why the referee waved it off at first because he was right there and he was definitely caught. Yeah, and we were we were going on for like quite a bit longer. It's like, is that, is that really not a pen? How the fuck do we get away with that? <laughs> <laughs> like, Jesus Christ! <laughs> but um, after we went ahead uh, uh, for a third time, you you seemed to get a bit more of the play again, mm-hmm. and uh, Bamiang had a few chances that he uh, wasted. Do you think he needs to be dropped? Do you think it, the captaincy needs to change hands again? He he does seem a bit out of sorts again. I know he scored a, a few goals earlier on in the season, but mm. he's starting to look out of sorts again for some reason. It, it, it is very strange because I mean, is he not? Do you think, is he not suited to how Arteta wants to play? Perhaps I, I think that absolutely is the case. I mean, I think the reason we played Aubameyang and Lacazette, Lacazette together is because, to a certain extent, I think combined they're close to the striker that Arteta wants. You know, he, I think he wants someone who's a bit more like. Um, you know, Giroud, but with a bit more pace, and obviously those people are a bit hard to find, which I guess makes sense why, mm. you know, we're looking for Tammy Abraham in the summer, although I know a lot of people weren't particularly happy about that. Um, I mean, I think he could have been a good signing. But... I do, actually. I think Mar- I think he needs to show more faith in Martinelli. I know he didn't make a huge impact um, in last night's game, but mm. I definitely think the raw talent's there. He, I mean, he had moments. I mean, he, um, I remember he drove at Tellers and Tellers had to put in a really good tackle to stop him going. Um, and there was a moment in the second half where he kind of just dribbled in between two of your players. I was like, geez, how the hell did did he wriggle through there? Um, I, I, I definitely like to see him play more. I don't know if he has the hold up play um, of Lacazette. And I'm, I mean, he, I think he's like four or five inches short of Nabamiang. So I don't know how much better he is going to be at that either um, but yeah I would say uh, uh, another striker or two is the priority for next season I think uh, I think Abiyang might have had his might have had his day to be honest yeah I, I think and, so and there always seems to be clubs interested in Lacazette so you could struggle to hold on to him as well and he's not he's a weird one he, when he's in form he's a good goal scorer but he's He's very sort of patchy, isn't he? He has long periods where he doesn't score, and then mm. have a bit of a bit of a period of time where he where he'll score for fun, and then he'll go off again. He's he's a funny he's a funny old player, like as that. Yeah, he really is. I mean, I, I think that's probably the reason why Bamiang's probably started a bit more. Cause, I mean, Bamiang's pressing has really come on, and you know, recent even last night, I think he was pressing really well, and he, he's got better at the hold up play, but not enough um but um I, well actually i think lacazette's probably, probably going to go because i think he has six months left on his contract mm. um I, I think teams like juventus are quite keen on him aren't they yeah well i, I, I think I, I could see him going to newcastle um i think mm, I, I, possibly probably, i think he could be a decent signing maybe but i mean they have Callum wilson i don't know it's all you'll have mbappe next season anyway won't you so you'll be all right <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I think it's no surprise that we're being linked with a six-foot-four striker from Syria. Um, I think it's kind of clear, kind of what he wants. But I think, 
I think that's another area where we kind of struggled a little bit, not having a striker who could just hold up the ball and hold on to the play to take some pressure off us. Who was it who sold Giroud in the end? I think it was. I think it was. Um, I think it was last year Wenger actually. Because he went to Chelsea, didn't he? And they should have. Mm. I mean, I know he. I know he wasn't a spring chicken, but as he's shown, um, as he's shown, as he's shown um, for Chelsea, when he was with Chelsea and for France, he, he's still got goals in him, especially when it comes to headers and stuff. Oh yeah, absolutely. I, I think if he was, if he was still at Arsenal, I think he would absolutely be playing week in, week out. And to be honest, I think. I think Arteta's style suits him more than the style we played under Wenger. Mm. Um, so, I mean, at least it's a positive. We know what kind of striker we need. Um, and I think, I mean, I think the, the transfer window last season was actually pretty good. So I suppose we'll see how it kind of comes along. Yeah, I don't um, think you've done. I don't think you've done too bad this season. I mean, you got Ramsdale in, which uh, has looked like a great decision, and. Mm. Um, uh, Odegaard committed full time as well after his loan spell. So yeah, uh, I mean, I, I think I mean Ben White had a bit of a tricky day yesterday against Ronaldo. Who actually yeah, had a... I still don't think he's a. Everyone has a tricky day against Ronaldo. Let's let's be mm. let's be bloody honest. Yeah, I mean, Ronaldo was he, he was something else yesterday, and I, I know I've been critical of him. But, but you know, you, you have kept a few clean sheets, so you, you're doing something right, uh, at least against the yeah. uh, you know lower down team which we are at the moment <laughs> but you know our defense has been i think the second or third worst so you know it's definitely it has looks like it has tightened up a little bit um with um yeah since ollie's left only mm. chelsea scored a pen i mean your first goal was a bit abnormal so um you know i don't think we did you know, did too bad to be fair, but um, mm, I what did go on. No, sorry, you you gonna ask? No, me. no, you, you go first. Well, actually, I, I I was gonna ask. Do you think Michael Carrick has improved you in these, in these last three games he's played? Definitely, seen it definitely seems to have a better idea of um what they're doing defensively. Yeah. So what, what, what was the thing you were gonna ask me? Sorry. No, I was just gonna say talking about. Carrick, we mm. we heard virtually straight after the match had finished that he was to leave Man United with immediate effect, which I thought was quite shocking at the time, you know, because he's been such a stalwart for over 15 years and because he'd um, taken over, you know, caretaker manager, I thought perhaps he'd have um, some, you know, some role to play, but he seems to feel like he... Um, it's the right time to go. Yeah, I mean, didn't um, Ralph Nick? He 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 wanted him to stay, didn't he? No, yeah, well, Carrick said he hadn't spoken to him, and then um, Ragnitz says in his press conference that he tried to convince him to stay, unless that was unless that was um, afterwards, I suppose. Yeah, but because it he like... might not have been able to come in and do much if he hadn't got his work permit, he might not have, you know, strictly speaking, he might not have been allowed to start, you know, to talk, start to talk to people and and everything if he hadn't got his work permit and everything. You don't know what sort of rules that that might be breaking. So um... yeah, um, but it, it does seem weird that you know, Carrick has insisted he hasn't talks and Ragnick says he has. I mean, I would I would have thought they can text. 
at the very least, you know. Mm. You know, it's kind of a bit of a formality. Um, I, mean, I mean, do you think there's been, I mean, I don't want to read too much into it. Do you think there's been any falling out or anything like that? No, not really. I think perhaps Carrick, because he was a crucial part to Ollie's setup, perhaps felt that he he wanted to go with uh, with Ollie Solskjaer and perhaps you know it's sort of a new you know a new start, a new era under Ralph Ragnick. But you know he perhaps decided that was the best thing to do, and he said in his interview he promised time with his family, which never happened because he took on the coaching roles. Mm. So perhaps he just feels like it's the right time to step away for the time being. Yeah. But, um, um, you know, he, quit, he acquitted himself really well, so I wouldn't be surprised um, if teams start looking at him when, um, um, you know, when they fire the next manager, whoever that might be. Could be could be Rafa, the way things are going at Everton, which <laughs> we'll touch on in a in a minute or two. Yeah. But, what, but what's your opinion on Ragnick? Uh, coming in and, and what he had to say for himself today in this press conference, which was quite early this morning. I was, you know, I was expecting one from him today, but not as soon as I looked at my phone at like half nine that it had already taken place. <laughs> yeah, it's um, I mean, I, I I haven't read like the full transcript yet, but from what I heard, like you know, he sounds like he's very determined to do the job, and it's obviously, I mean, he's obviously in this for the long haul, whether as a manager or as um you know, a bit of a consultant. Um, he obviously was very complimentary of Ronaldo, which, you know, if he wasn't, I think that would be... <laughs> mm. I don't think that would go down too well. Um, I like what he said, that, you know, the manager has to adapt to the players around him when they talked about maybe not all, you know, all the United players can press because that's his favoured way of playing. And, mm. you know, it's... Um, I think there's been a lot of talk about that, but a manager as good as him, and they've, you know... They can play more than more than one way, or he wouldn't have lasted in the game as long as he had. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, yeah, it's it's very interesting. That's that's what I'm, I, I mean. Because I've been looking back at his like records, like as a manager, he, he's he's gone through very like he's gone through weird there's weird gaps in his kind of you know CV so to speak. You know, from 2011 to 2015, he hasn't worked. You know, he hasn't worked for mm. two years. He tends to get, well. yeah, he tends to get moved upstairs a lot by the signs of it, doesn't he? It's like football director and um, those sort of roles. So they have, they obviously quite like him as very sort of footballing brain, don't they? Behind the scenes sort of thing. Yeah, and I mean, I mean, in terms of the signings he's made, um, I mean, you can't really argue against him. You know, Sane. I mean, he he, he signed Emil Smith Rowe. Um, on loan at, at Leipzig a few years ago. I mean, Leipzig have they've gone through a, a hell of a transformation. Mm. Um, you know, all the way, I think it's all the way up from the fourth tier of football. Um, and obviously, German league is different. But um, uh, here's a bit of a question. I, I am slightly concerned to a certain extent because it seems for Man United recently they've kind of gone for a lot of kind of like oh, what's the best word for it? They're kind of they they're kind of yesterday's men. You know, um, Louis van Gaal, Mourinho, and now Ragnick. You know, these are kind of people who are kind of very influential, and you know, they are pioneers to, to a certain extent. But now, you know, he's not. He, you know, he's kind of behind where Tuchel and some of these other German managers are. I don't know. Do you, do you think it's a bit of a, of a concern, or is it is it just a weird coincidence? Well, not on not this 
not at this point. No, I don't think I wouldn't thought say Mourinho was the manager of uh, yesteryear. He's but um, he, he just has this weird record of not being able to last at clubs for much longer than three seasons for mm. some reason. And he didn't do very well at Tottenham, but Tottenham just seemed to be all over the place. He doesn't seem to want to play for anybody by the looks mm. of it. Um, but uh, that's, I think that's why he's strictly interim, isn't he? Because um, yeah. I think they're looking at... Uh, Pochettino or Brendan Rodgers seem to be the two front runners that United United fancy. So we'll have to see unless uh, Ragnarok does a really good job and they think perhaps it's just, it might be best to stick with him for a couple of seasons, as you know, depending on how, how we do this this season and how things progress. But I mean, it was such a spectacular decline under Solskjaer. I think the board, they want stability. They wanted to keep faith with Solskjaer. But after we got you know, wiped out again, you know, we had the international break. They gave him a chance to reset and to change things. But he just stuck to the, to the same, you know, the same team, the same mm. non-tactics. And um, we got wiped out by Watford and you know when you lose full one to a team like that it, especially after other results uh, you know they, they had no option but to, but to let him go and the way we've played the last three games it it does look like it was the correct decision yeah I think it was the right decision I mean I respect the reason why they like stayed with him and I think to a certain extent I think stability is probably what you need I mean, um, you know, bouncing from Moyes to Van Hal to Mourinho, they're all kind of very different styles. And, mm. you know, giving each of them a 200 million budget, you know, you, you're going to have a lot of people, you're going to have a lot of different kind of styles for different people and players who probably sit fit certain systems. But I mean, Van Hal made some, you know, weird, weird decisions and sign-ins and mm. really imbalanced the side. And even Mourinho struggled to sort of get the balance back. It wasn't until Solskjaer sort of came in that they, they started to, to get some semblance of um, normality and balance back into the side. And uh, you thought the season with Varane coming in and Sancho, they've been chasing for a couple of seasons. And then and, and also Ronaldo that, uh, you know, would be able to improve on last season. And uh, it's, just got progressively worse for some reason. It's hard to know exactly where it's all started going wrong and wrong so spectacularly. Yeah, I mean, it feels a little disconnected from the top down. Because, um, I, I mean, you know, if you... I, it's weird because, I mean, obviously each of those managers got a lot of say in, in who they signed. But if they're all different and you're only going to keep them on for two years which I think most of them have been two years, I think, at the most, it, it does seem, you know, you are going to end up with a bit of a hodgepodge. So unless you kind of move from man- managers who are very mm. stylistically similar, um, you know, you can't really do that. Um, I, don't I mean, know. If, if we were losing, like, by the odd goal and you could see progression was there, and you know, under Solskjaer, I think he would have, you know, I think he would have kept his job, but there just didn't seem to be any sort of 
you know, any sort of tactics or any um, identity to how he wanted them to play. Even when he was asked about tactics, he goes, oh, I don't do much of that. I just let the players play. <laughs> and, he, and it's just, you know, uh, that just doesn't work at the top, top level. You might be able to get away with it at mould in the Norwegian League, but... Yeah, it's weird. I mean, because I mean, the thing is, he had some very tactically good games. I remember, like, when he played Man City, I think I think it was last season. Like, tactically, I think you guys played... He could counter-attack, but yeah, yeah. he didn't have a plan B. If you couldn't... if you couldn't, You'd see it a lot, especially before Bruno Fernandes came in. If we... If we were the ones that were supposed to go on the press, um, we were struggling to break teams down. But because of, there's a lot of pace in the team, we were very good at sort of um, absorbing pressure and hit, break hitting teams on the counter-attack until um, this season where, we, for some reason, we couldn't seem to defend at all. Yeah, it's, it's going to be interesting to see how kind of how you do... Progress, especially when Ragnik has such a key style. I mean, I mean, when I was watching you guys yesterday, if you're planning on playing at the back, I mean, for the times you did it against us, you kind of struggled a little bit. Um, I don't know. It's going to be, but then again, I mean, I think you have the players who can do it. Um, I don't know. It's going to be, it's going to be fascinating. As I say, I think he can play more than one way, and he'll. He said he's been watching United, and he's very aware of what's going on so I think he'll probably have an idea of um, how he wants to set up and play maybe he might have some ideas of players he might want to bring in in January if there's some players he can identify that within the the Glazers sort of budget Mm. I mean that's the thing you don't always need to buy the 50 million uh, player to get good results I mean Leicester and other team West Ham have shown that you know Leicester bought in Kante for next to next to nothing when they bought him and look how look how good he was. So there's always players out there. You don't have to get the big names for the for the top money to make a good team. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I mean, even someone like Nuno, you know, Nuno for us, I think he's kind of proved that. I mean, we we won for eight eight million. Like it's proved mm. that you can do that even at the top level. Um, but yeah, it's going to be. Um, I, I I mean I hope that with Ragnik I mean two years as a consultant I hope that means he gets a bit of you know so I mean who is your like sporting director is it is it Darren Fletcher no um I think it's that uh, uh, is it David Murto is it okay right hmm. okay yeah cause, uh, I mean I I guess we'll have to see how it kind of goes but yeah hmm. I don't know yeah oh. I, I, hopefully he gives you a bit more consistency. We shall see, I hope. Um, another thing, just before we move on to something else, uh, how impressed have you been with Emil Smith-Rowe? And uh, do you think he's he could become a key player for you now? He seems to, you know, he's banging the goals and he seems to be a key player just now. Yeah, I, I think he's I think he's improved a lot um, this season. Um, I, I mean, again, it's, it's still very early on in the season. I, I'd like to see how he does it for the whole season I think he has four goals for us at the moment um but I mean even last season he kind of moved the team forward an awful lot I would have actually liked to see him in midfield although he does well on the left but um yeah I, I've been very impressed with him I've been impressed with a lot of our youngsters I mean we mentioned Gareth you know Marcinelli mm. um I think they're I think they're actually setting a better example than a lot of the 
older players are. But, yeah, um, definitely. But yeah, I, it's very happy to see a youngster do so well. You know, and, him, him and Saka are really good, I think. And Pepe, could you see him being moved on? I mean, he's a lot of money to be sat on the bench every game, isn't he? Yeah, it's, it's, it's strange. I mean, because yesterday, yesterday, you know, Lacazette came on, you know, fair enough. Um, but what? But Eddie Nketiah came on, who's said that he's not going to sign a contract, and he has six months left. Mm. Um, and he's a young guy as well, so it is a bit puzzling that our record signing, and and he has been good at point, um, although he just lacked consistency. Yeah, I, I think they, I think they must be thinking of moving on him on. You'll never get you. I don't think you'll get your seventy million back though. That's trouble. No, I don't think so. But I mean, Probably forty maybe if you're lucky. Yeah, I mean, hey, if Newcastle are looking, I think I, I could see him going to Newcastle to be honest. Maybe, but it'd be weird. Do you want to spend money and build a super team when they're going for Arsenal rejects? But I suppose he went for Eddie Howe as manager, and <laughs> he's hardly. <laughs> yeah, he's a. He's a decent manager, but he's hardly like A list, so to speak. Yeah, he's not. But I mean, I mean, we need to sign someone, and you, you think good for money, and some, someone would be keen. Mm, you would have thought so, but we shall see. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, so you want to talk about Everton, right? Yeah, they, they seem to be really struggling. I mean, they lost. Uh, was they did this to Brentford, didn't they, the other day? They. The, you know, I don't think they've won the game for quite a while now, and they got. I know everyone's been getting hammered by Liverpool, and they did put up a a good a good fight um, uh, for parts of the game, didn't they? To be fair to them, they got a goal back, and it was two one for a while. But mm. I don't know. I mean, last season they seemed to have all these big plans. They brought in Carlo Ancelotti, James Rodriguez. Um, and quite a few good sign-ins, which are mostly still there, but they just don't seem to be performing some somehow. Yeah, I mean, I'm looking at their like their fixtures recently, and they haven't won since Norwich, um, which all the way in September. That's quite concerning. Mm. Is it like you were saying about us bringing in um, Bernardo Mourinho? Is Rafa just, you know, too mm. long in the tooth now? Was he the wrong man for the job? And he wasn't exactly yeah. a popular um, appointment, considering that he used to manage Liverpool and some of the things he said about Everton as a Liverpool <laughs> manager have not been forgotten. So, um, yeah, it's been um, fighting an uphill battle on all fronts, really. He was given no money. I, is that because of financial fair play or because the owners are holding back? Because, I mean, they, was it Townsend on a free and... Rondon from some Chinese club, um, you know, for next to nothing um, transfer-wise. And, yeah. you know, they're hardly the players that an ambitious club are going to be signing, let's be honest. Yeah, I mean, because I think last last season I thought, like, Dukuri and Allen, I thought they were pretty good signings. Mm. Um, and to be honest, I think Gray this season, I think he's actually been quite surprised. Gray's been excellent. I thought he mm. was one of their better players. Um, yeah, so still in the, he did really well against us when we played them as well. So yeah, and, and he's definitely a prospect. Well. Oh, yeah, I'm not saying he's mm. I'm not saying he's rubbish. I think, actually, he's done really, really well at Everton. But he's not, you know, he, he's not someone you'd rush out to buy if, if you were thinking of yourselves as an ambitious 
an ambitious club, really. Yeah. Actually, do you mind if I read the fixtures we've had so far? Because it is quite interesting. Like, mm. the, it's a weird kind of theme, like, developing. I mean, so, since Nor- since Norwich, they played you. Um, mm-hmm. they, I, thought, I thought we played pretty well. Then they played West Ham, who have been a real surprise this season. Um, Watford, where we lost 5-2, who were, I think, they were fantastic that game. And they've actually been pretty good recently, um, as both of us have found, found out. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Um, they played Wolves, who have also been a bit of a surprise. Um, Spurs, who I mean, I mean the Spurs, but you know, then they've played Man City, Brentford, and Liverpool. And Brentford, they can turn up on their day. But um, do, I mean, do you think it is circumstance? Possibly. I mean, but you know, when you 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 got to get points from some way. I mean, you got to be looking at at least Watford and Brentford to 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 get something. Not losing five two and yeah, I mean I'm not saying Brentford are rubbish, but I do like Everton should be at least getting something from that that game. In my view, yeah, you can write the City game off. They're always going to lose that. And Liverpool, there's definitely a mental block there because they never seem to do very well against Liverpool. But yeah. um, I don't know. I just think because of the Rafa was such an unpopular position um, appointment, I think he could find it difficult to hold on to his job if we can't turn things around and let's couple the games. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm looking at the next games. I mean, they have Arsenal next, which I mean, well, I, think, I think we're going to. Well, they've got that. they've got to win that. I mean, if you can't <laughs> even beat Arsenal, <laughs> you know, Crystal Palace. I think that could be that could be very interesting. Hmm. Um, then we got Chelsea and Leicester before Burnley. I mean, it's, it's going to be tight to try and get results out of those because I think even Crystal Palace, it, you know, if you say that's the easiest mm. game, I don't know. I I can't see Rafa staying in. I mean, I don't fancy them against you, to be honest. No, I don't either. I, I mean, especially after we've been, I think, you know, we could have beaten you and I think we're, I think the whole team were a bit disappointed. Um yeah, it's it's going to be interesting. I, I I think I mean they are at home, and I mean Goodison is a tough place to go sometimes. But yeah, it's not looking good for Rafa. No, um, I don't know who they bring in, but yeah, it's uh, he he's got to be one of the, he's got to be the favourite to go next. You would have thought. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I mean, I mean, maybe like I said, maybe they will bring in Carrick. I mean, a bit bold. But, it would um, be, but you know, stranger, stranger things have happened. There's not too many managers uh, on the market. I mean, Dean Smith went straight to um, Norwich, didn't he? Mm, yeah, so I think you know, I, I, it probably uh, he's probably actually the only one I can actually think of. But we'll see. Maybe there's a uh, a foreign manager somewhere that. No, they'll look at who knows, who knows. Yeah, but um, so I think the last thing you wanted to talk about was something that which is I think a little bit more serious. Um, yeah, well, a lot more serious. Yeah, so um, is so is about the tennis player um Peng I think Shuai I think is how you say her name. Yeah. Um, do, do you want to give a bit of a background to the case? Yeah, so um, in early November she spoke out she i think she put a tweet on um i think like a sort of chinese website social thing uh about yeah a a former um, vice premier um forced her into a a sexual relationship um 
against Seville and um, not long after she kind of vanished into thin air. She, um, the, her uh, uh, statement was removed from the site. Um, she, friends and family were unable to get into direct contact with her. Um, the WTA, they, the Women's Tennis Association, they tried to contact her with, with no joy. Um, and it, it, yeah, it's all got very strange. And then um, Chinese state media, mm. no other media, that the state-run media, they um, post photos of her apparently out uh, for lunch with some people. Um, and I think there was like a like a a video call, which again was. Did have Hank Sway, yeah, but um, it was done by Chinese uh, state media, and it was only to um, some people from, I think, the IOC, um, the International Olympic Committee. Um, and it's all, you know, seeing that she was, yeah, I just want people to respect my privacy and all very sort of, mm. not, you know, not. Not the sort of stuff you expect someone who's just made allegations um, like she has to be saying. It's all very sort of sanitized and controlled. <laughs> if yes. You know what I mean? And it certainly, um, certainly hasn't sort of appeased the WTA. They, 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 they're sort of, for lack of a better way for it, seeing through, seeing through this. I mean, Friends and family apparently still can't get in direct contact with her. WTA still can't get in direct contact with her. So something's not quite right. And you've got to applaud the WTA for for their for their stance, and especially Steve Simon, the chair of the WTA. You know, it could be quite easy for them to say, "Oh look, yeah, we've seen her on this." This, these facts in the video, all is okay. Let's just proceed as normal, which is what the ATA and um, the IOC seemingly want to do. But um, DTA and Steve Simon, they're going to suspend all sporting activities in China and they're refusing to, to do with China until the matter is resolved in what they deem to be an acceptable manner. And mm. this sort of stance just doesn't happen enough um, for my liking. What, uh, what, what do you, you know? What do you feel? I mean, I mean, Jesus. I think over the past two years, there's been so much um, about the Chinese government. Um, you know, I mean, if you speak out towards anything, I mean, something's going to happen. I mean, I think all the people, you know, personal whistleblowed about COVID. I think he got in trouble when he first said it. I mean, hmm. he, he died of COVID, so I don't. We can't really say what would have happened. Um, I, I think we should make the distinction that we're not talking about the Chinese people. We're talking purely about um, the kind of regime that the Communist Party has over China. Um, it's a very you know, it is very complicated to talk about. I mean, even with, you know, there's, there's a huge lack of transparency, particularly with their media um, and just with other nations. Is it, I guess the closest thing to it would probably be Saudi Arabia. Um, I mean, China's a lot more, I mean, their rules aren't as bad, so to speak. And in fact, China is actually quite a wonderful place to live. Um, but you do need to be careful. 
particularly with what you say about the government. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I was even thinking about about moving to China, and it is stuff like this which kind of it does kind of it is it, a bit chilling. And I, I, I yeah. hope, hope she's all right. It makes it does make you think, and um, they, they make no mistake. Uh, governments like China can make people just disappear if if they so want. And you got to think uh, a person of that uh, vice premier's position, if he's forced someone like Peng Sui into a normal relationship, she won't be the only one. And this will be another way for them to make sure nobody else dares to to speak out to help collaborate uh, her story, so to speak. Mm. And I, I don't know if she'd ever be able to leave. I mean, that's going to be very interesting if she's allowed to leave for future tournaments. I don't know if she's been announced for any. Mm, well, she is like uh, about 35 now, so she probably won't be a regular player. But she was like very high ranked in doubles. Mm. Um, I'm not too sure if she's still if she's still a regular player, uh, tennis player or not. Because uh, a lot of players, especially especially women, do tend to start you know um dying and dying around the mid 30s yeah yeah and i mean it, i mean it must be kind of quite worrying for her i mean I, I don't know what her you know i don't know what her level of english is um and the reason i say this is you know i mean will she be comfortable living in another country i mean it, you know especially if your family is still living there it's you know she can't exactly escape um, well, yeah i don't know and, and i don't know what you know other countries and associations like the WHA can really do. I mean, it's a Chinese national in China, so it's not like anyone's got any authority to to really make any demands. You know, it's not like it's uh, an English, you know, an English person they've got where you'd, you'd have a bit more... Um, authority a bit more right to say look you know you gotta let this person go um i mean what i don't know i mean what what can you really do yeah i mean i don't think anything is specifically gonna happen to her i think especially if she doesn't say anything more like i think mm. she's probably still gonna be allowed to live a normal life but um i don't think it's been without a few threats or anything else no. potentially um yeah it is uh it's it, it's a really weird situation but Hopefully, hopefully everything's okay, and, and hopefully there is a bit. Of, hopefully there will be a bit of a change um, in China at some point, because I'm I'm kind of sick of hearing all these stories about it, and um, yeah, it's just, it's just getting a bit ridiculous. Yeah, yeah, I totally agree. But as I say, I just wanted to sort of again applaud applaud the WTA and Steve Simon for not just sitting on their backsides within the funds and actually trying to be proactive uh, about it whether it'll actually do any good remains to be seen but uh, I definitely think they're moving in the right direction and I, I hope some more sporting people actually take a stance as well and refuse to you know refuse to go to the Olympics and other sporting events that are held out there because that's mm. the only way they're going to listen and you know these people have got to You've got to sort of band and stick together because it could be you, it could be your, it could be your, it could be your friend, it could be your sister. You, you just don't, you just don't know. Yeah, absolutely. But um, yeah, I suppose we'll see what happens. I mean, I think I think Djokovic has spoken out about it. Um, yeah, well, he said he did say something. Yeah. Um, 
So, uh, yeah, we'll have to see. Yeah. But um, I guess on a more lighter note, um, Carl, this has been, this has been, for the most part, this has been quite a fun talk. And I, I feel I've got a weight off my chest. Um, yeah. I'm, I've raised about how shit Arsenal and how much <laughs> Actually, no, I haven't even talked about fucking El Nenny. Oh, I never want to see that guy in an Arsenal show again. I, I love you. I love you, Mel. Oh Jesus! You know you're submissive and you're not even readable like Reese. So it's just yeah. Anyway, <laughs> what you're going on about, it, but whatever. Probably, probably a good thing. So uh, I'll do my plugs because uh, Liam usually does something else. I uh, mentions a charity or what have you. So mm-hmm. uh, you can you can catch up with me and Scott as we. Delve into the the third episode now of Hawkeye, which was really cool and interesting. Uh, That should be out relatively soon. Um, We've got the first two episodes which we did together. That's live now, so so check that. Podding ain't easy, uh, Hawkeye. And uh, you can find us on Rogue underscore Opinions on Twitter and Instagram. And you can find our website at rogueopinions20.wordpress.com. Yeah. And um, I am. Yeah, I mean, Alex, I usually um, I usually plug a charity. And um, because, I mean, because we talked about China, I, I, I wanted to make clear the distinction between Chinese people and the government. And, you know, I mean, there's been an awful lot of abuse towards Asian people in this country over these past two years because of COVID and other stuff. Um, so I'm gonna I'm gonna um, promote um, a charity which kind of supports Chinese people in the UK, particularly Chinese elderly people. Um, so that is the Chinese Welfare Trust, and you can follow them on Twitter at Chinese W2. And um, yeah, support them and just just be nice and support everyone around you, please. Yes, exactly. I second that. And uh, thanks for listening and goodbye. Bye bye.